Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the covenants of promise. And I hope that you will dig into this and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can do that right there on your screen. And and, uh, ring the bell so we can give you notifications. And also, uh, make sure you go to myfaithroots.com and sign up for our um, emails. We send out a, a free email devotional every day to go along with these episodes. So all of this is free. It won't cost you a penny. And uh, we'd love to get it into your hands because we believe that the very best thing we can do for people is to teach people God's Word. All right. Myfaithroots.com. Talking about the covenants of promise, and I'm taking my text from 26 translations, and I'm using Ephesians 2.12. You had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel outside of God's covenants and the promise that goes with them. Well, we were in bad shape. We, we were cut off. We did not have any rights. Uh, we had no spiritual rights. We were pretty much at the mercy of the powers of darkness, and only by the goodness and grace of God were we able to live long enough to to hear about the Lord. Now, God made a covenant with a man named Abram in order to bless the entire world, and this is how he chose to bless the whole world. He didn't bless the whole world at one time. God said, I'm going to start this through one person, Everything I do, I'm going to pour through this one person, and this blessing is going to grow and multiply. And here's why. Because I want people who think right. See, if people don't think right, and if they don't know my ways, then they can't experience my blessings because my blessings are dependent upon people knowing my ways. And so that's why God picked Abram. And let's read this. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. Now, Abram lived about three, four, five hundred miles to the north and east. And uh, it would be either in uh, northeastern Syria, northwestern Iraq, somewhere in there was the old city of Haran. And uh, so uh, this is where Abram was at the time. He didn't start out there. He started, he was born in Ur, of the Chaldees, which would be along the uh, Tigris and Euphrates rivers in southeastern uh, Iraq today. But uh, he had moved up with his family to the country of Haran, and now not Iran, but Haran, H-A-R-A-N. And God said to him, go to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Your enemies will be my enemies. That's what God is saying. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, he must have scratched his head at that one and said, how on earth will that ever happen that somehow I will be blessed in such a way that every single family on planet earth will be blessed through me? Well, Well, that's what God said. Now... God chose Abram. Abram didn't go looking for God. In fact, later in the book of Joshua, Joshua talks about this as they are going in and taking possession of the land of Canaan. And Joshua said to all the people, Joshua 24, 2, 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, that's Abram's brother, they lived beyond the river, beyond the river Euphrates, and they worshipped other gods. And he says in verse 3, But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river, and I led him throughout Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. And so you see that, that he was not a follower of God. He started out as an idol worshiper. And so God reached out to him and brought him into faith. So God chose Abram. Uh, not a single one of us went looking for God. Listen to what the, 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 the book of Romans tells us. Uh, there's no one who understands, Romans 3.11, no one who seeks God. Very often I will just pause and I will talk to the Lord and I'll say, Lord, I was nothing. In fact, the only thing that I am now is because of you. I had nothing. I came from nothing. I deserved nothing. You know it's good just to remind yourself every now and then about what you came from. I don't care if you were rich and famous and had all kinds of great family connections. You still were nothing, not in the eyes of God. Uh, in the eyes of God, we're all nothing because our righteousness, everything about us, it's like a filthy rag in the sight of a pure and just and holy God. We do not make ourselves right, and we don't make ourselves attractive to God. The only thing that causes us to be attracted to God is when we respond to Him in faith, and we begin to demonstrate that we want to follow Him. So had Abram stayed where he was when God called him there in Haran and said, I want you to come to the place that I'll show you, then God would have had to pick somebody else. Because God wasn't going to just dump this on Abram. There was a condition to the blessing. The condition was you have to go to the land. And that's not a hard condition. So Abram takes his family and he leaves and uh, he gives God a demonstration of faith. And, you know, we still do this today. We give God a demonstration of faith. Uh, when you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you rose, uh, believe that he rose from the dead, you confess with your mouth. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I am saved. You know why a lot of people never really feel like they're saved? It is because they don't follow through with a demonstration. And the demonstration is not preaching and it's not reading your Bible for and through in two weeks. The demonstration is to do exactly what God said. That is, you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I prayed a prayer. I asked Christ to come into my heart, but I wouldn't say that I was saved. I hoped I was. I, I was wishing that I was. I didn't feel it very much. Well, the reason I didn't is because I didn't follow through. I didn't give the demonstration. You've got to say it. Uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, is what the scriptures say. Another place in Isaiah, it says, let us plead together. Let us talk the same talk that God is talking. Uh, so God is saying, I sent my son for you. He died on a cross for you. I raised him from the dead for you. And you're over here saying, well, I hope I'm saved. You're never going to have great assurance of salvation until you start agreeing with God. You need to have a little list of things you say every day that lets God know you're agreeing with Him. You need to be baptized. That's another thing that happens when you first follow Christ. You're baptized to show uh, the old Willie George is gone. He's dead, and a new one's in his place. So God rewarded Abram's steps. God will reward your steps. 
Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. I've been here. I, had, I didn't see the big tree, and it probably is gone now. But I've been to Shechem on the mount. That was back in 1988. And it was a fascinating place. And there's a big city in the bottom of the valley called Nablus. And uh, uh, there was a lot of strife. In fact, I could hear uh, helicopters flying and uh, uh, automatic weapons fire and so forth. We were there uh, videotaping uh, on the site of the temple of the Samaritans. And uh, this was back where Abraham, I would have been with just a few hundred yards of where he worshiped God. At the same time, the Canaanites were in the land. And no doubt this great tree was a place where the Canaanites worshiped because every mark like that, every inspiring thing, everything of beauty is where the idol worshipers would go. And they're still that way. Idol worshipers love beautiful spots. Why is it that uh, the, the idol worshipers are typically not out on the plains of Kansas, western Oklahoma, west Texas? They're usually in the, in the mountains somewhere on a beach. They're, they're, they love the beauty. Uh, the Canaanites were in the land by that big, beautiful tree. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So what did he do? He built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. You know what he did? He took a whole bunch of uncut stones. And we're not talking about little bitty ones. We're talking about huge stones. It would have taken uh, a considerable amount of effort for guys to have done this. It wasn't Abram by himself, I'm sure. Then he offered a sacrifice. He marked the site with this sacred sacrifice and he would have put wood down and, he, and put the sacrifice on the altar. He would have burned it up right there. So the Canaanites come back a little later on and they see a new kind of, of altar. And this altar is not carved and there is no totem. There is no wooden idol. They're just a pile of stones and you can see the ash heap on top of the stones and somebody obviously offered a sacrifice here. That's not the way the Canaanites did it, but Abraham marked this territory. And through these sacred promises, what's happening is the Lord is binding himself to Abraham. Now, God was all in from the very beginning. But you know, with any relationship, you don't just rush in and lay the whole thing out. And uh, on your first date, you don't tell your girl, I love you, let's get married. Now, maybe you did that, but I would advise you against it. It might scare her off. Uh, but uh, Abraham and God slowly began to develop this thing, and God slowly took him along. You know, Jesus said the same thing to his disciples, and this is interesting. You can tell people too much too quick. And Jesus said to the apostles before he went to the cross, he said, I have many things to say to you, but you are not yet able to bear them. And it was only after he was raised from the dead he was able to fully explain himself and what he was doing to the apostles. So it was through these sacred promises that God was building Abram's faith. And he promised Abram two things, two things right up front that would characterize a covenant blessing. And Abraham would kind of recognize, okay, okay, God's making a covenant here with me. Now the word covenant is not mentioned here. Uh, there is no mention of the word at all. It doesn't come for quite some time. But Abram is beginning to see this. God is making a covenant with me. So here's what he said, Genesis 12, 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God said to Abram, I'm going to bless you so much that you are going to have a surplus. And you know, that's still true today. 
God wants you to be able to bless other people. And sometimes the only surplus we have is a surplus by faith. There was that little widow that had the two mites. It's all she had. It was all of her living. And she put those two mites into the offering at the temple. And Jesus saw it. He commended her for it. It was a surplus, but it was a faith surplus. It really wasn't a physical surplus because she didn't have a physical surplus, but she had a faith surplus. And so she gave out of that. Let me tell you something. I promise you, the story doesn't end there. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened, but if you know the heart and character of God, you know that lady got blessed for what seed she planted. So the first thing is God promises to bless us in order for us to be a blessing. You can't be a blessing till you've been blessed. And then secondly, he promised to preserve and protect Abraham and his family. He said in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now, this is something you've got to understand. When you begin to walk with God, you've got a target on your back. Reinhard Bonnke told me years ago, he said, I believe that the devil can see into the spirit realm and he sees because we are kings and priests with God and he sees that we have blood on our earlobe and that's one of the marks of being set apart. That, that's the mark of God. There was a, a, a mark of blood. God put just a little bit of blood and, and the enemy can see that. If the enemy had all power over you, he would kill every last one of us the minute we come into faith in Christ. But for the grace of God, we would all be destroyed. So God protects us. He has to. And this covenant protection is so that we can develop and share our faith. And a lot of people never discover it. They never learn about it. They never even hear about it. Their church doesn't preach about it. And you know what people will do? People will go to stories like the story of Stephen in the book of Acts chapters 6 and 7. And it's a wonderful story. And Stephen gave up his life for the cause of Christ. But I want to say something about that. Do I think he had uh, less faith than others? No. He had great faith. His faith was superior. It was amazing faith. But Stephen didn't give up his life for nothing. Stephen was sowing his life into the audience. And there was a young man there listening to what Stephen said, and he saw how Stephen died. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And I will always believe that that was the thing that pricked the conscience of Saul of Tarsus and God started working on him through what Stephen did when he did something extraordinary. No vengeance on his part. He's being stoned and he prays and says, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Now we read in the same places right there in Acts about how they tried to kill the apostles. And 11 of the 12 apostles were eventually murdered for their faith. But not at the beginning. Only when God was completely finished with them. God let them out of jail on more than one occasion. God supernaturally protected them. Imagine what would happen if there was no protection whatsoever for us who bear the gospel. And this is what I believe. If it's God's plan for you to give up your life to be a martyr for Christ, God gives you a grace to do that. But God doesn't call you to that in torment and in fear. God wants to preserve you. That's what he said here to Abram. 
He has invited us into a relationship. It's a trade relationship. Listen to Isaiah 6, 13. God says, I want you in a covenant with me. And see, one more thing they did in the covenant was they traded. Look at Isaiah 61, 3. To bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. God says, look, I'll give you a crown for your ashes. I'll give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning. I'll give you a garment of praise instead of despair. That's a covenant. That's covenant language. That's God saying, I will trade you for the things you have that hurt you, and I'll give you something great. Well, God promised to give Abraham and his family land. And that's another part of this covenant that's huge. We don't have time to get into it today. But as we close, I just want to remind you to hit the like button at the end of this. That'll help us out greatly. Subscribe to the videos and uh, ring the bell so we can give you notifications. And one more time, if you have not yet subscribed to the free email devotions that I send out every day to go along with these lessons, go to myfaithroots.com and sign up, and we'll get those coming your way as soon as possible. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Faith Roots Podcast. Oh,